and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where each week we try to find sources that aren't Reddit or bathroom stalls and then read okay. our stories to each other because we're compulsively reading history. It's what we do. I'm Teresa and that's Angie and I compulsively look for bathroom stall information to share with Teresa. <laughs> So when I said we, it was the royal we, and I was not including Angie in the plural. <laughs> You're welcome. So please and thanks. Don't mind me, my hair is just looking really fabulous today. No, you're good. So I didn't tell you this, but after we get done recording, there is a piece of art that is getting delivered to my house. <gasps> there I'm is so excited a person that I met at a Comic-Con and I started following her Instagram and followed her Etsy shop, but she goes to thrift stores and buys. Is, is this the painting you showed me last the week? The Totoro? Yeah. Okay. I did tell you that I got it. Okay. So she is dropping it off tonight because she's local. So I don't have to wait for it to get shipped. That's awesome. I know. So like, I will just, when you hear the knock, I'll just sit here and wait while you get up and go get it. Cause I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I'm assuming a bigger painting. She, there's measurements, but I don't, measurements are for children. I'm not going to actually look or s figure out where it's going to fit. I'm going to run around the house like a banshee and hold it up going, no, no, not here. No, no. And then like make my husband do it and go, no, no, no. To the left. No. Hi. Wh what are you doing? It's basically going to be like <sighs> telling him he's holding the flashlight wrong. Well, that's our jobs. Okay. Fair. Nothing makes me happier than Ian and Ethan working together to measure something and like, like, to, especially to mount something on the wall and then me like purposely hiding in another room so I don't have to be a part of it for to overhear Ian say, go find your mom. She will tell me what side is wrong. Mm. <laughs> As if, I guess because if you're the person hanging it up close looks very different than from yep. far away, you know? So uh, um, apparently Ethan's uh, left, right measurements are not as fine-tuned as my ability to say to Ian I need you to go just a little to the left <laughs> that's good to know yeah just a little to the left I guess so to jump in because I am just itching and I'm in painting land in my brain um I think I went first last time I think you did do you want me to go first this time would you yeah okay I've got my story ready. Like, I came prepared. I just was prepared in another room. <laughs> I mean, look, you do. I'm not going to be upset at you for, for being prepared. It, it happens so room. infrequently. <laughs> Thanks. I know, right? I'm going to throw shade where I can because it's funny to me. I literally, I, well, I would accept nothing less. Um, if, if you're not throwing shade at me, I don't feel loved. I should I mean, probably see a therapist. Well, that or... I should see a therapist or we should see a therapist. <laughs> you know, that's it. We're just going to start going to couples therapy <laughs> and see how long it takes them to realize we are in fact not married. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would indeed be like my goal. I think, you know what, if we ever get the pleasure of living near each other, we should probably just do it for funsies. Like, yeah, because remoting into couples therapy from different areas would probably be a big tip off. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, or what they if might. they just don't care? Like they just they just care. They're phoning it. it into. They're like, yeah, you know, whatever. I've been on the toilet the whole time. 
What do I care? <laughs> I've been drawing on the shower wall with steam. So, <laughs> and not even the bath crayons. Oh yeah, I forgot about the bath crayons. I don't know why that came to me so quickly. I I obviously we have children. Yeah, but we haven't had bath crayons in the house for years. Um, so we had a walk-in shower, and when the boys were toddlers, like walking age toddlers, I would hang like um, landscape paper. Like I forget what the paper's called, but like the big um, cardstock paper. butcher paper? Kind of like butcher paper, but a little bit thicker, like art paper, like you could okay. paint on. I would hang that in the ba- in the shower and let them paint in the shower with actual paint. And then just and, like uh, clean it up, like just spray yeah. everything down to clean. That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, what I will tell you this is I assume all children are like this, but if you give it to boys, they will immediately figure out how to put the paint on their butt and then back up to the paper. <laughs> so I have some amazing artwork to hand to their future wives. Oh, you are brilliant. Thank you. Nothing is funnier than hearing from the other room. No, no, go backwards. A little more backwards. And then you come in and you see like, you know, butt print. <laughs> <laughs> front and center because brilliant brilliant that's how toddlers operate and, and this it. is a history podcast you no i'm being moms. a smart ass no yeah <laughs> and this is what happens right okay right, yeah i want to okay, tell so, me your story tell me your story okay okay so um do you remember do you remember that movie the princess caribou i think is what it was called um about the pretty young girl who, young lady who shows up on the English countryside. She's like in desperate need of a warm meal and clean clothes, but she doesn't speak English and can't remember where she's from. And like the townsfolk all dote on her and decide she must be a royalty from afar. I have never, I this is ringing zero bells. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you'll have to watch that. But this isn't that story, but it's a similar story. Oh, I was about to say, is the podcast over? Because I've got a, <laughs> I've got a homework assignment. No, no. Um, so you do have a homework assignment. I highly recommend it. It's a really cute movie. Um, so my story is about a man called Jerome. Jerome is um, famous in the area of Sandy Cove, Nova Scotia, and the near the near surrounding territories of that area. My sources are a mental floss article called Seven Mysterious People Without a Past. A medium.com article called Jerome of Sandy Cove, the unusual Nova Scotia mystery man. <laughs> and what I thought may or may not have been a reputable source called CanadianMysteries.ca. Um, however, they actually did turn out to be a fairly reputable source. There are multiple articles that reference back to that article or other articles that reference back to that article, rather. Okay. And um, the person who put that article together, it's a, a group of researchers who have spent like years dedicated to this guy's story. Jerome was born sometime around 1830. And then we don't learn anything else about him until 1863. So, so what happened that. in the interim? You ready? And is he like Jesus? Is it is it literally going to be like? Well, we don't know. We just don't have his teenage years. Uh, well, we don't have his teenage years or any years really before eighteen sixty three. So in eighteen sixty three, a boy or perhaps a young man or maybe two men or maybe just one older gentleman minding his own business, looking out the window, 
there's several versions of the story, but they all kind of come to the same conclusion at the end. Um, they discover Jerome, a young man, by all accounts, handsome fella, no more than what they're thinking about 20 years old, sitting on the beach just five feet from the water. Now, I learned today while like just kind of putting some finishing touches on this, that this area where he was discovered. Now, mind you, it's 1863. It's September. But this area of Nova Scotia is known for, like, massive, uh, very unsafe waves. Okay. Okay. So, and they, they find Jerome sitting just five feet from the water. He's sitting next to a jug of water, perhaps a fresh spring. The, the details on that are a little murky. And he's got some biscuits or some bread. Um, in case you haven't noticed already, there are several different versions of this story. Pick the one you like best, I guess, because there's I some mean, truth to all of it. I really can only go off the one you tell me. So that's what I have going. I'm going with the young man finds him because that young man ends up taking him to his family's home. Um, when they ask who he is, try to get his name, try to get any information from him. All he really does is growl or grunt and um, at one point he kind of mumbles the name Jerome so they assume that that's what they heard like the local townsfolk that's just what they assume at another point he says something to the effect of Columbo but again it was mumbled and not real clear so the local townsfolk can only assume that he is trying to say either um, the name of a ship he could have been on or the town he came from They're they're really unclear as far as his ability to speak um they get him in touch with a gentleman that speaks multiple languages and he tries all of them on him and, and jerome doesn't respond to any of them well he doesn't know pig latin or french yeah. or english or, right so he I'm, I'm out right so um he can't he doesn't show that he can read or write when handed paper um and he has no like i said he doesn't he's not speaking so they can't gain any information about him at one point they decide that um they basically give him his name and they decide for his own sake that they are going to put him up in town with a local family and the local government is basically paying for this man's room and board until further noticed which i think is pretty cool like they don't really know his story they know nothing but they know he needs help so they help him he eventually is moved to another town. At this point is when he gets into, he's in the care of a man named Jean Nicholas. Um, he was born in Corsica and spoke like several languages and he was never able to communicate with him. However, during his time with the Jean, Jean Nicholas, Jean Nicholas, however you want to perform, pronounce it, he accidentally slipped up or on purpose, said Triste, which is a region in the far east of of Italy. Um, by this point, he has been moved to this man's home because this man is Catholic, and they think, like, the local townsfolk think that because he looks Italian, that he is probably Italian Catholic, and so they think that he needs to belong, he needs to be cared for by someone of his own faith. Which I seems mean, to work out. They're making a lot of assumptions, I feel. As do I. 
Um, but it's it works to his benefit, I guess, because this man he stayed with him for quite some time. And that's assuming that he can't just be agnostic or I mean, like for all Any we number know of things. Right. Like he could just be like, look, my religion is licking toads and staring at the sun. I like pasta. Valid <laughs> like, religion. Right? Like he and the funny thing is, is they are just making these assumptions based on your stereotypical looks and what they think he's mumbled. What's the worst that could happen? I guess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he he learns in this time frame a handful of things. One of them is that he really, really does not uh, like the sound of rattling chains. Like it is is a trigger for him. He can't deal with it at all. And he gets massive fits if anybody mentions pirates or pirate ships. But he also doesn't know English. So he could he could just not like when somebody goes, um, pirates, you know, like, are they saying it normal? I don't know. Like, pirates. It's like, my oh, guess, definitely not. My guess is that perhaps they're showing him pictures trying to communicate with him. It's really unclear. However, in 1870, Jerome gets moved to a family, to the family of Deidre Camus. And he remains there with them until his death on April 12th, 1912. No one, yep. But no, no, carry on, carry on. <laughs> it dated the Titanic, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't going with that. Dang, okay. No. Yeah. Like, I just don't have Titanic depth recall on my... <laughs> well, um, I thought that was an interesting parallel. Um, what's interesting is, though, no one at the time really seems to do a ton of investigating based on what they think they know about him. Well, I mean, look. He looks Italian. The Italians are basically Catholic. So, I mean, really, he he just eats basil. That's all he needs. That we've Paul done the research. It. Yeah, he's he's fine. He's he's yeah. great. Um, but what they do offer is for a small fee, you can come meet Jerome. Capitalism. Look, yeah. we've discussed this. Yeah, I mean, it works. And from what we can tell, he didn't seem to mind that the family was making quite a killing off of his uh, story. Because thousands of people came to visit Jerome. Like, one of the researchers that is currently looking into this, or was currently looking into this, has fond memories of, like, her grandfather talking about Jerome. So, like, he is a local legend in this area. Now, towards the end of his life, a rather curious meeting occurs. Two women who say their last name is Mahoney are all dressed to impress, show up to visit him in all their finery. They say that they knew him from Mobile, Alabama all those years ago, and he had run away to sail the high seas. They spoke in private with him for a long time. However, it is said that the conversation that could be heard was in an unfamiliar language. Now, I was curious about this area where he mentioned um, he could have been from. 
So I kind of just did a cursory search <laughs> of the area, and I'm going to just tell you a little bit about it as soon as I can find my note on it, because I thought it was really quite the thing. Okay, so Trieste is the capital city in the Vienza Giuliani region in northeastern Italy. It's a port city, and it occupies a thin strip of land between the Adriatic coast and Slovenia's border. Italian, Austro-Hungarian, and Slo Slo Slovenian influence are evident all throughout this city. And um, it encompasses most of an, an old medieval city and has a very Austrian feel to it. So when they mentioned that he spoke that these women spoke in a familiar language, it made me think that perhaps maybe they too came from that same region and this the linguists just didn't couldn't identify what the unfamiliar language is. But further reading on this area is that it is a maritime merchant's haven with shipbuilders and money galore. Mm. So just keep that in the back of your mind. When it when these ladies left, they left him with an unaddressed um, envelope, and he immediately, upon finding it, ripped it to shreds, threw a bit of a tissy, and and just didn't didn't want to have anything to do with anybody. At this point, <laughs> is where the article on Median says, "quote People speculated that he was of noble blood, and they were checking to see how he was faring in his exile. They reportedly looked very similar to him." Okay. And I think that whole thing is super interesting. So like I said, he dies um, April 19th, 1912. So not on the exact day of the Titanic. However, news of him does not spread to the nearby villages because the Titanic sinking is taking up all the press. So if you were looking for him, if you wanted information on him, that was not the week to try to find anything on Jerome in Nova Scotia. Fair. Here's the really interesting part of the story as if it wasn't weird enough. You, you ready? No, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting down even. I don't fully know why he chooses Canada. However, when he was found, he was found exposed to the elements. So he was cold and dealing with the recovery of recently amputated legs. Both oh, were you them. sitting on that one? <laughs> You're <laughs> <And> I... welcome. <laughs> Both of them. Well above the knee. Both legs were expertly removed and carefully bandaged, bandaged with clean bandages, and he was said to be dressed in fine clothing. However, another source calls him a pauper from the get, so that part's kind of unclear. I'm not sure which source actually is. Like, if it's just legendary that he was dressed in his finery, and more so he was probably just dressed like your average human at the time. Could go either way. Okay. Because there's a lot of legend around this guy. Now, but are we almost, talking freshly amputated? Like, or... like last week amputated. Like, when they found him, it was, they thought, fairly new, still bandaged, but very clean, very well done. That's one hell of an exile, where you've been exiled and they kept your legs in your home country. <laughs> it's like, we're only going to kick ha out half of you. <laughs> we're taking the half that can't talk back. <laughs> But then the other half didn't talk back either, so there's that. What most likely happened. So a gentleman called 
A.W. Savory, who was a judge of the Annapolis Royal, did a little digging and he published his findings in a newspaper. Uh, my guess is this newspaper was probably published sometime in the early 1900s. Um, what he did discover was that Jerome was an Italian man and in his 20s, he had probably stowed away on a schooner in New Brunswick. For a while, he was employed by a lumber operator in the Chipman district. One night, he was working in the middle of winter and had fallen between the logs of the mill pond. He spent the night in the, the sawmill, soaked to the bone. When he woke up, he realized that his legs were frozen and that he'd have to be amputated to the knees. Now, the inconsistency on that to me, he was discovered in Nova Scotia um, on Sandy, excuse me, on Sandy Cove in September. I don't know when winter actually starts. But the way that he is described in all of my sources, that when they found him in Sandy Cove, those amputations were very, very recent. So I'm a little, un I'm a little like, what does middle of winter mean? Probably <laughs> not September. Of the world. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but I don't know the weather there well. So again, it just seems like an inconsistency to me. But even if it was six months before, that's still fairly new, but I didn't think new enough to still need bandages. Okay. Yeah. If bandages are the thing, cause your, your wounds don't weep that much. I mean, unless you're Henry the eighth, in which case you got that weeping wound for the rest of your life. Yeah. Nasty. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a little, that part seems a little inconsistent to me, but the local authorities of New Brunswick either couldn't or didn't want to be burdened with taking care of a stranger amputee who had no family to care for him and they wanted to find a way to get rid of him so he was put on a small fishing schooner someone was hired to basically lose him for the sum of ten dollars they were supposed to take the italian man on the boat at Monaco coast sandy cove was where he was dropped off which is only like five hours away <laughs> i don't think they really committed to the job there that's a 10-hour commute I mean, yeah. I mean, I it's more than a full work day. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, funny enough, though, in 1879, a man called Samuel Gindy was chatting with some fellows he met from Boston who had learned he was from Sandy Cove and asked Samuel if a legless man had been found on the shore. Now, you know, just a quick question, just, you know, for my edification. Maybe, yeah. did you ever, by chance, like, there's just a dime a dozen? You right? guys got one like, too? Crazy, right? Okay, so <laughs> Samuel's like, yeah, actually his name's Jerome and has this whole conversation with them. And in his excitement, goes back and immediately writes a letter to Judge Savory to tell him about the conversation he had. But unfortunately, poor Samuel, promptly upon finished the conversation, had forgotten the men who's who he was talking with's names. <laughs> Maybe he never learned them to begin with, but knowing their names would have made it at least a step easier into figuring out a little bit more of his story, a little bit more accurately. Would you like to know the theories as to who they think Jerome could have been? Nope. Not nope. at all. No, of, you know what of course okay. I do. Of course I do. Okay, so I had to, I did, I did have to go to Wikipedia because I thought Wikipedia is the perfect place to find a conspiracy theory. <laughs> And uh, it has been suggested that Jerome was a sailor who may have attempted a mutiny and the amputation was punishment. 
do you really think that they're going to have a skilled surgeon that quality on the ship? Why, if you have just tried to pull a coup, would the captain of the ship that you just tried to mutiny on keep you alive? Because I'm assuming, this is my ignorance, because obviously Dr. Google and that degree didn't go very far, that amputating a leg well to where they survive in 1863 i'm assuming that requires a fair amount of skill as would i and And it's gonna take time i don't feel like a mutiny prisoner would be given that unless this prisoner was of value yeah you need somebody alive for that that's true but that leads us to the next theory um which is suggested that he could have been heir to a very large fortune. Remember the shipping lanes, the uh, boat builders? And someone wanted to get rid of him, say, to inherit his money. It's possible that Jerome's difficulties with making actually being able to speak could have been linked to a brain injury. Um, because he was incapable of speaking any sort of like understandable um, I'm here and present language, but he could make animalistic noises like growling and mumbling and things like that. So it's possible that he had some type of brain injury. Um, the, <laughs> there is another story that says in 1859, a few years before Jerome shows up in Sandy Beach, another or possibly the same Foreigner was repeated to have fallen through river ice. He developed gangrene in both legs due to the accident, and they had to be amputated by a local doctor. He has become known as Gambi, probably because Gamba is Italian for legs. That's just messed up. And when this individual woke up from the amputation and his legs were gone, that was all he could say. Um, He also proved to be a burden for the people of Chipman, and it was rumored that a passing schooner captain was paid to transport him away. The captain could have just sailed him to the other side of of Nova Scotia and dropped him off in Sandy Cove. But that idea is controversial. So it sounds like there were two amputees that showed up in this area of foreign descent, but they very well both could have been one. Nobody knows for sure because the other gentleman also didn't speak. That's too big of a coincidence. I think so, too. I think it had to be one and the same. Right. Like, there, unless there's an epidemic of um, lakeless <laughs> mutes. <laughs> From Italy. Like, right? Um, yeah, I, that one, like I said, doesn't, doesn't really sit well to me as it being too separate. But it does, it's interesting that the years are a little bit different. For Jerome himself to be such a noted character of the area and such a visited individual, for somebody to not make the um, connection that he was also Gamby from the Chipman district. That's us. That's us. Right. So whatever. But that's that's my story um, of Jerome of Sandy Cove. And uh, we will never know who he really was or what his story really was. There is hopes that perhaps we could DNA test him. Um, But there is also a strong possibility that the locals don't want that done because the tourism that comes with people researching 
Jerome of Sandy Cove takes away from the mystery of it all. And I just think it's an awesome story. Minus the whole he showed up without legs thing. And yes, I held on to that to the very end because I wanted to see your face. <laughs> so you do do things just to troll me. Um, Would it have been as eventful had I said it at the beginning? I mean, you could have played it. It's all in how you market it, right? Like, <laughs> you could have got there. Me marketing it as not telling you till the very end was how I decided to spin it. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. So that's my story. Say yeah. to me. But that's that's not Italian, is it? Fini? Mm, uh, that's French. Okay. Whatever. Well, <laughs> are you ready for my story? Yeah. Is it about Jerome of Sandy Cove? No. No. <laughs> okay. So my story, I'm going to start with my sources. Uh, it's an article from Indy 100. An infamous Ukrainian time traveler story has finally been explained by Harry Fletcher. The Daily Star... Travelers. Man claimed to be time traveler with proof he was from the past and many believed him by Michael Moran. YouTube, the Y Files, the time traveler who vanished, the Sergei Panomarenko story, and an article on Void. So it's voi.id. So it's really Void, but okay. Void. Uh, okay. Testing the time traveler story told by Ryomit's Korean YouTube channel. Hold on. Did you say a Korean YouTube channel? That's the, yeah. So I'm guessing there, okay. there was somebody who retold this story and this is an article about the YouTube. Like, okay. So it's, it's convoluted. Okay. I was just, I was confused for a second. Cause I thought you said Ukrainian earlier. <laughs> so I just wanted to the, make sure I did I understand. say Ukrainian earlier. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. Okay. Um, April 23, 2006. Okay. In Kiev, Ukraine. A man who's, he looks about 30 years old. His name is Sergei Panamarinko. He was arrested by local police because he looks suspicious. <laughs> does he have all of his limbs? <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Spoiler. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> to the police, he said he was confused. Whereas about two minutes ago, he said he lived in 1958. Okay. He's carrying an identity card that identifies him as a Soviet citizen, even though the communist bloc was dissolved literally a decade earlier. Right. Okay. Yeah. The ID states that he was born in 1938. So but you this... said he looks to be in his 30s? Is yeah. That, that's true. yeah. Okay. I'm just so I'm, okay. The math would mean that, you know, 2006, it'd be about 68. He is looking really good. He is taking his vitamins. Right. For yeah, real. Good job. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's at this point that the police call a professor named uh, Pablo Krikov, a psychiatrist, to interview Panamarenko. And okay. he told him what really happened. Panamarenko said that he came from 1958. And before he was in Kiev, he said he was with his fiance, Valentina Kurish. Oh, I love that name. Isn't that such a beautiful name? I don't know if you know this, but I have a love for names. And that is a... I know. Chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said that when he was with his fiance, he saw a UFO and took a picture of it. And then spontaneously, when he takes the picture of the flying saucer, 
he just disappears. And without realizing it, or the time that he, he sped off for decades and then ends up in April of 2006. So, so I'm super glad I didn't take a picture of the star that I watched for like 30 minutes last night thinking it was a UFO. You should just come over to our house. We just have a telescope in the back. I, I almost got out of bed to check on it closer, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Next time, just Sorry. text Mike anyway. and, and say, you know, look up at this quadrant of the sky and he'll tell you what it is. Yeah. Um, so Panomarenko, he, to prove his story, he said that, he, you know, he has this snapshot of the camera. And so the camera that he's got is this old style camera that it looks vintage. By the way, the clothes that he's wearing are vintage, but they look brand new. The camera that okay. he has is also, you know, dated correctly, right? So it's from the 1950s. Um, okay. So they bring in a bring in a uh, Kiev photographer named Vadim Posmer. And Vadim says that the film in his camera uh, is is completely interesting because it's old film. And I'll get a little bit more into that. So the film in his camera was developed by uh, Vadim and it was developed by the investigators and it shows images of Kiev as it was in the 1950s. Okay. So this checks. Oh, and I should say, in one of the sources, when he's confused, it's because he's trying to find uh, Valentina, his his fiance's house. And he's asking the police, you know, where is the street? Where is the street? And it was replaced by a landfill. Oh, but in the in the 50s, there was a street there. OK, so that's why he's super confused and a little out of it. And that's why they're like, hey, buddy, you're going to come with us because what? Mm hmm. OK. So he's he they see the picture of this photograph that has this bell-shaped object. And he said, as soon as he saw that bell-shaped object, that UFO in the sky, that's the moment that everything changes for him. Okay. And so one of the images on the roll of film is a blurry photo of this bell-shaped object over the skies of Kiev. Now, the the photographic expert. Vadim Posner says he couldn't find any irregularities with either the images or the camera itself. So he's like, hey, this checks. So, so go for can it. Can I just tell you the most interesting thing? Okay. As a photographer, I have a collection of cameras. One of my cameras is a Kodak Brownie that was mass produced in the early 19th century for like, it was like the first camera that like you could take to your vacation in the Hamptons you know what I mean like you didn't have to be in the portrait studio to use this camera and you would send the camera as a whole back to Kodak to develop the film for you and then they would put the film in it for you and send the camera back okay okay you can still as of 2016 I haven't checked since then you can still purchase that film the same way you just so, have to send the camera back to Kodak Right. Okay. I don't, I'm curious now, like what kind of camera he had. And if we are still making film for that camera, the same way Kodak was making film for the Brownie, but it would still indicate its age. You know what I mean? Like, so that's where it's really like, well, oh, hold that thought because I do, I didn't remember to write down the name of the camera, but hey, hang out with me for one paragraph. Okay. I can, I'm so excited. <laughs> so 
one of the things about that bell-shaped UFO is that many people might recognize this idea as the Dyke Lock that is rumored to be that time machine that was developed at the very end by the Nazis in World War II. Okay. So this is hearkening back to that. So now when we're thinking about the film in the story that we, that we're exploring, Vadim says that the type of film is known as uh, Zvima and was discontinued in 1970. And he was surprised that in 2006, that there still was this type of film and that it was in condition that was still good enough and it, very is, good condition that was able to print and everything like that. Well, that answers my question then. If it's it been discontinued, it'd probably be very hard to get today. You would think. But again, like, I don't know why I didn't write down the name of the camera because obviously I wrote down the name of the film. So <laughs> that's okay. One, one thing meant more to me than another. Um, well, I it, mean, the film is what they researched. So that makes sense. Fair. <laughs> so on April 25th, after checking the photos, Vadim tries to contact the police again. However... Panomarenko, who is supposed to be waiting in the room, suddenly disappears that same day. He just gone as if the earth swallows him. Okay. So, but he was supposed to be waiting like in an interrogation room, like an like interview a, room like a hospital something? room, I think. Like they okay, kind of kept okay. him there, if, I, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Um, so the police really don't have a ton of leads, right? But they're like, what the heck is happening? So they start looking down the trail to see if they can find Valentina Kurish. Okay. Okay. Cause they, you in the so camera, excited. they have pictures of, of the young couple. Okay. They find her. She was still alive in 2006 and 74 years old. Oh my gosh. So the police ask about Panamorenko and Kurish recognized him immediately. And it turns out that she had the same photo, like a copy of the photo that the police had. Of that yeah. bell shape. Well, no, okay. of like the two of them together. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the photo that just kind of doesn't make sense when you think about like all of that, apparently it was sent by Ponomarenko to his girlfriend after he disappears from police custody in 2006. So he goes into the future. Then he goes somewhere else, sends her the photo back in time. Like along through with some multidimensional mail service? Unsure. But she okay. gets communication from him. Okay. And she's like, you know, the last time I saw him, so she says that he disappeared for two years and then reappeared like two years after that. And then she received a photograph of him as an older man with a picture that was supposed to be Kiev in 2050. I'm sorry, what? So he jumped forward in time to 2006 and then jumped. jumped forward into 2050 and sent her a photo of him older. And she could produce this photo for the investigators? She had it. Are you trolling me now? No. Oh my god, okay. 
<laughs> and when I get to the end, I'll show you all the photos. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. Um, so not only that, Kirsch even had the photo, the 2050 photo. And when compared, you could see the two photos that were both in Kiev in 20, 2006 and 2050. And you can see the visible difference of the skyline in the background behind him. Okay. Because Kiev didn't have skyscrapers. You just see like just plastered skyscrapers behind him. Interesting. Okay. So apparently after more investigation, it they come to, they go through some archives somewhere in the Ukraine and they find a, a file that is Ponomarenko's interview with one of the Ukrainian and Taiwanese television stations in the 1970s. And it brings okay. news. He's talking about stuff that he saw from the future. So in the 70s, they have clips of him talking about how everyone has like a cell phone and he's talking about microwave technology. Those don't exist in the 70s. This is insane. I absolutely freaking love it. And the only... so. Looking back on this, the only thing we have to like, because we don't have the, the original source material for all of this. I don't I couldn't find access to it, but the closest we can get back to it is all of that being collated and then aired in a Ukrainian documentary called Aliens that aired in 2012. <laughs> OK. The aliens did it. Right. And so if you think about it, like looking at Ukraine now, that with millions of displaced people, all the government records being just completely destroyed with shellings, missile attacks, the whole nine, there's concerns that we'll never be able to really get to the bottom of Ponomarenko's story. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now, I've got a little bit more for you. So, I'm so ready. Because I originally heard about this on TikTok. I'd, I'd seen a couple TikToks about it. And so I was like, I'm going to search this. I'm going to look this up. I'm going to do my due diligence. And there were a couple of YouTubers that really went in and delved in deep and they had some good dives on it. Um, one was Joe Scott. And the other one is a dude named Jean, Jean, probably Jean, G-I-N-E. Okay. So if it was G-I-N-A, it'd be Gina, um, but Jean Gentile. Jean maybe? Anyhow, these are things. Yeah. I don't um, know. I jacked up Jean earlier. That's so. <laughs> fair. But we're we're coming up with new ways to mess up the name. The yeah, phonetic the phonetic sound. We're just coming up with new ways to, you know, like spelt different, yeah. but these are things. Just put a comma. We understand. Yeah. Okay. So first off, the ID they went through and they ended up having to like Gentile. I'll just say Gentile. I'll just that way I don't have Butcher's first name. Um he had access to the Ukrainian footage, but he doesn't okay. speak. The language so he had to get it like transcribed okay and so he's going through the the whole process and you know reading through everything and watching the frame by frame to like really get into it um well he says that the id from the soviet union you know because they zoom in on it he's like it's not quite right the 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 stamp the the, the card isn't stamped correctly it looks okay. like a forgery and like a bad forgery, apparently. So he's like, okay. there's something wrong there. Okay, so more compellingly, they also like, you know, pause the screen as they look at the photos and whatnot. Um, 
and they really start thinking that things just aren't quite adding up. So for instance, the picture, and I couldn't, I didn't grab the 2006 and the 2050 photo because that would have made this even better. But the 2050 and the 2006 photo of him in the same spot, and you see his clear age progression and then the the sky the skyscrapers behind him, his collars turned up the same way by the br- breeze blowing at him. Like, hmm. like the, so it, it looks like it's just an easy fake, right? It was just Photoshopped. And he's like, that doesn't quite jive. And one of the reports said that it looked like there was a Photoshopped um, Empire State Building in the skyscraper background. Okay. So it's just like, hey, I recognize that building. That that won't be in Kiev. Like, give us our building back. Right. Like, you can't make this up. And so then they were kind of like, well, I mean, if you consider the context of when this was shown, the channel it was shown, it's really kind of like the Modern History Day channel or Modern History Channel. So there's just like a whole number of inaccuracies when you when you get there. And then that film that they found in the camera that was stopped getting made in the seven or 1970, apparently, even though it was stopping made in the seven or 1970, you could still buy it pretty easily up until like 1990. It was still like pretty commonly carried, um, which means like if back in 20, 2006, like you could probably still pretty easily pick it up. Like we might yeah, be able just to go on eBay. in a fridge for 20 years. You got it. Right. So it shouldn't be that bad. Um, so the the TLDR on that is basically the whole thing was faked. Oh, devastating. You are trolling me. I did. I did do it to you because these are things that you do to me. And <laughs> I, I figured that honestly, I wasted my time in looking at this, but this is the photo of, you know, Kiev and you see the bell shaped UFO in the background. Yeah, yeah. And then this is an image of the USSR ID card. Okay. Oh, and in the documentary, it talks about how they zoom in on the card. So you see his birth date and he says he was born. One of them say March and the voice says June, or I may have that switch, but basically like, the writing was bad and they didn't match the writing to the words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that was like another one of those, well, I'm a Newton beta, you know? Yeah. And, but that's a picture of him. That's the 2050 version of what internet experts refer to as a real bad Photoshop of Kiev in 2050. I mean, it does have some, uh, real new york from the other side of the river vibes to it yeah huh. what's wrong with his face he just that's that's just his face angie quit picking on him <laughs> he's older he's an aged man from the future well and the past uh, <laughs> I would say that it's not, I'm not asking in a I mean way, I'm asking in a, in a, that would be my first Photoshop inconsistency. Like the right side of his face with the eyebrow down, but the cheek muscle up. You see that? Like doesn't, uh. You don't think he's just lifting an eyebrow? No, it looks like he's airbrushed. Okay, like now try... I'm not. Yeah, now I can see it. I think I think you might be right. You might be onto something. 
like I can't quite figure out what they were trying to do, but he looks very airbrushed right there. Damn it. I know. I was actually like really excited about this one. Like I knew I shouldn't be. Like it just like <laughs> I feel like if there was indeed a time traveler or people going through these little time slips, like that there would be more about it. But like I couple YouTube or TikTok videos about it, and I'm all mm, maybe, maybe. And the answer was no, absolutely not. Like I well, absolutely you... should have known better. Okay, first of all, I loved every second of this story and uh whether you trolled me or not it (laughs) literally made my day because there was that split second where i thought maybe we might be able to time travel soon um do you remember like a long time ago i don't know which one of us shared it with the other one but it was the story about the um time slips in ireland yes you shared it with me okay i couldn't remember which which direction that went but this totally made me think of that, and now I need to know more about those time slips to see if we can debunk them. I mean, but also and- I don't want to because I want to believe that it can happen. Right, we are Mulder. We want to believe. Exactly, and I mean, I still included this as a history story, even though it was a hoax, um, <laughs> because it was just like you know, I mean, it was presented as history. It has historical elements. You know, thinking about like Kiev and the Soviet Union and all of that. And I'm just like, what if, what if I could suspend my imagination long enough? Yes. I lo- I'm glad you showed me this hoax. <laughs> You're um, going to refer to them as hoaxes now, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. It, uh, it's, it, it might be my favorite of your topics so far. Cause it's so something I would bring to the table and uh, you would look at me and be like, Angie, Angie, it, that source scholarly sources, <laughs> scholarly sources, Angie. Exactly. And I would be like, the molder in me says it happened. So it happened. <laughs> Look, the Pope blessed these nails that were used to nail the convent <laughs> shutters shut. And he did. That's what they said. So all that's 300, not 301, not 299, 300. Yes. Listen, just because we don't fully understand it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right. You know? It does it because it can. That's my my motto. I his his ID face, like, um it's interesting that he is wearing like this I love I love everything. I love everything about it. It makes me so happy. He looks like he's wanting to commit a crime in that ID, if I'm being honest. You know, from what I hear about the Soviet bloc, I too would be wanting to commit a crime. That's fair. I'm that's super duper fair. So, okay. Just just for my own clarity, he did in fact show up in 2006 acting confused, correct? Uh I'm going to assume that a group of producers wrote a script and said, "Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put it on our equivalent of the History Channel." And everyone went I okay. I love it. And that that happened actually in 2012. And they said that that happened six years before because that's where the sources stick. We can't get past that. I Every, love it. Yeah. So it's just like all everything ties up too, cl- too neatly here. And there's no way to go back beyond. I love it. It does it because it can. And Jerome can show up on Sandy Cove Beach 
a W W T with a no no knowledge of where he came from. Yeah, I want to believe that he was a shipping magnet's son. Oh, your story was amazing <laughs> because it was so right up your alley. Oh, dang it! You always hit me with the good ones. I always like. I want to find the story that just makes you go, I'm sorry, what? Repeatedly, every single time. And then when I think I found an I'm sorry, what story, you bring me that. (laughs) And let me tell you, I have a file like a mile long of actual historical stories to share. (laughs) Okay, so um, I was reading some of the texts that we were sending back and forth today about you know us trolling it or you trolling me with your stories and mike knew what i was coming to the table with <laughs> and he goes you told her no because i'm trolling her that is hysterical well played points to gryffindor I really want to be like, okay, well, you just wait. Our next recording, you're done. But um, I just learned a really fascinating fact that I'm hoping, like, I just learned it, like, a few minutes before getting off work. So I'm hoping that I can find enough information about this individual to make a full story. Like, I'm really, really hoping. So I'm not going to troll you next time. Because all you have to do is say that, and I'm just like, you know... This will be episode 30. <laughs> um, no, I promise you, I'm not lying. If I can find enough information. That being said, if I can't, well, who knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. It's worth it either way. I think so. Worst case scenario, it's us hanging out and, and inviting people, yeah. our listeners and all of the pockets of the world that they're popping up from. Yeah, and they're hanging out too, and they're laughing, and they're they, like, I guarantee you, someone was is going to be driving in their car listening to this and be like, "Oh, Angie just got had." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to use the word "hoax" from now on. <laughs> Make people wonder what the hell we're talking about. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. I am here for it. Excited. Well, if you have enjoyed hoaxes in history and can't wait to hear about how we will tie the two together or not, or maybe we'll just do actual history next week. Rate, review, subscribe, and um, let us know what we should do next. And on that note, goodbye. Bye.